As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The culture uh, in our building is outstanding. We are not good. What? We are not good, Chef. No. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Put it in the corner! Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie, or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, man, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus the Hurricane. Who would win? Dicka, Dicka. Dicka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. Post-trade deadline in what has turned out to be yet another not normal week for the Chicago <laughs> Bears. A lot has happened since we were last with you on Tuesday morning. What's going on, Johnsy? Good morning, Adam Hogue. I, you know, like when we have podcasts like this and there's just like so much to get to, yeah. um, we're not going to waste any time. But like, what do we even start with? There's a lot. I mean, there was a coach that was fired since we last talked to you. There was a trade that was made. There was a trade that was not made. There was uh, a couple very interesting press conferences yesterday. Um, so there's a lot to get to here. We're going to get to it right off the top. We also are going to bring in, I know the Bears play a football game on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints, but we're, instead of previewing the Saints, we'll get eventually get to the game. But um, instead of a Saints writer coming in here, we're actually going to bring in Ben Standig, who covers the Commanders, to give us some insight on Montez Sweat. Um, so we're really looking forward to talking to him as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. A lot of content for the last two days. We have tons of it up on CHGO. Johns has tons of it up with Kevin Fishbane on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Please follow us on Twitter at Hogan Johns as well. And you can get all of our merch at HoganJohns.com. Um, I want to start with Ryan Poles' press conference yesterday, if we can. And there was an endorsement. I'm at Uberflus that I eventually want to get to, but I think we need to start with the Jalen Johnson conversation because for a guy that has been very, very reluctant and most GMs are to negotiate publicly or really reveal anything about negotiations publicly, this suddenly has turned into a very public negotiation between these two sides. 
And I think it started on Jalen's side, which I totally understand. I actually think if we want to get into psychology of some of this, Jalen Johnson has, I think, done a pretty good job here of, uh, you know, sort of winning over the fan base while also making his points very clear. If you look at it this way, Johnsy, both Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith have asked for trades in the last year and a half. One got traded, one didn't. One the fans kind of turned on in Roquan Smith's situation, it felt like. And in this case, I feel like Jalen Johnson still has that support. But for Ryan Poles to come up there yesterday and very clearly say a bunch of stuff, like the timing of them meeting over the weekend in Los Angeles, the fact that they've never actually submitted last and final offers, They've had some talks, obviously. They've ex- they have must have exchanged some numbers, but them not to even get to the point where this is our final offer, this is your final offer. He doesn't seem to even know what the gap is. I thought that that was very, very interesting. Just to hear all of that put out there, what was your reaction? My first reaction is that we've never covered a GM who's done that yeah. here, and there's been some interesting resignings, extension deals that have been done over the past few years not as I don't think not as contentious as the ones that Ryan Pulse has dealt with at least Roquan Smith being the the highlight of that that was a very public contract negotiation in a sense um I almost I like I sense some frustration that it's come to this point I think he was shocked by the trade request yeah like caught off guard like extremely caught off guard and he's probably a little pissed about it, and, and, and that's okay. Paul's um, admitted he was texting guys on his staff saying, we're going to get this done in the next few days. Yes. He yes. said that yesterday into a microphone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's how good he felt about things. And and then he, he was blindsided by the trade request. So to respect Jalen Johnson, he granted it. But I, don't th- I said this on Tuesday. I never thought he was going to trade Jalen Johnson. I've, I've always believed what he said that he wants to retain his best cornerback. I've never felt differently. And I think that's a big difference in this situation if we're going to compare it to Roquan Smith a year ago. I think from the point Roquan Smith put out that public statement and basically, well, didn't basically, he did accuse the Bears of negotiating in bad faith. And that was kind of just going down a road where he probably wasn't going to remain a Bear. Yeah. I'm not saying it was completely dead, but it sure seemed like it was headed well, that also way. Also, at that time, like like Jalen Johnson is playing football in a, at an extremely high level right now. Yeah. Like when he says he's the best cornerback in the league, you look at some of the advanced stats, you're like, oh, okay, it's a good argument. Yeah, he's I, up I, there. I could see that. And you're in a bad defense. Yeah. I understand your viewpoint. Roquan Smith was not before his trade. Now, obviously, things have changed for him in Baltimore. But at that point in conversations with the Bears... I remember having conversations with you, Adam Hogue, about the fit for Roquan Smith. So, again, that's one another example of why this is different. So, it'll be interesting to see where this goes from here because I'm a little... If Ryan Poles felt that confident that something was close and then one... I'm I'm a little... I'm wondering why Jalen Johnson's side then asked for a trade because clearly they... They didn't feel the same way because if they if Jalen's side thought that they were close, you wouldn't ask for a trade. 
It would have just gotten done probably. So, and then his press conference yesterday was just as revealing. It's very clear he feels disrespected. And I'm just a little confused, Johns, why one side doesn't seem to even know the gap. The other feels disrespected. Those, why are those feelings there? Like, because yeah. it, it sounds like Ryan Poles has to bring Jalen Johnson in again to go over some numbers and in to, to have a well, serious heart to heart conversation that Ryan Poles has been known to have with his players, which was another thing he talked about yesterday. That he likes to get these players in his office and and talk about this stuff. Now, now Ryan Poles, I did find this interesting because I think we all live in this world. Um, Sometimes emotions or feelings, opinions, they get misconstrued through text messages and emails because that's how we communicate so much now where I think... Having a conversation like you and I are right now, it just doesn't exist like in business anymore, at least not to the degree it, it used to where everything was right. over the phone or in person. Uh, it's just the, the way things are. And we all live in this world. Our, our kids are definitely coming up in this world right now where everything is you know, via text messages. So I, I found that interesting. So maybe there's a big, long you know, a detailed conversation that's that, that was had last night or maybe even this morning, maybe even right now at 9.04 a.m. on Thursday with representation of Jalen Johnson. I hope so, because this still feels like something that can be figured out. Uh, I, I think if I have two takeaways, like, two, like, like the strongest takeaways from those press conferences just in regards to Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson saying that, yes, I still want to be here long term. And Ryan Pohl saying, I don't want to lose Jalen Johnson. Like that right there is common ground. As common of ground as that you could find in a negotiation. That's not not actual money. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, 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 now let's submit final numbers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's, okay, let's, (laughs) why don't you guys submit some last and final offers and then actually see where you're at? Um, which is not actually last and final then if you could still find common ground after that. I always find that funny too. Um, all right. We're gonna shelve Montez Sweat just for a second here because we want to talk to Ben Standig about Sweat. There's like one more thing I want to get to from the polls press conference, a little bit of Eberflus here as well. So the other big story um that you and Kevin Fishbane broke early Wednesday morning was that running backs coach David Walker was fired um human resources involved obviously misconduct behavioral stuff that was very clear in the press conferences yesterday um these guys got to be held to a standard they're not held to the standard they're out second one this season in your reporting of this when you get word that this is going down like obviously you go into work mode you do your thing but what else are you thinking? Like, like <laughs> I'm just curious how that all happened. Like, um, well, one, the situations are different. They're not connected. Alan Williams and David Walker, completely separate situations. Um, two, my immediate thought is how Matt Eberflus handles this, not just publicly, but internally, because he's the head coach. 
these are his guys, his assistants. One was his defensive coordinator. Like this is his coaching staff, and there's got to be some accountability there. I, I like I understand that, but now what's what's next? So you think about Matt Eberflus, and then like then it's the ripple effect. Like I'm sure there's players in that locker room are wondering like what the f- f- fudge. <laughs> Like, here we go again. Like, you heard players a, f- a few weeks ago talk about how weird that week was during the Allen Williams situation. Yes. It seems like Matt Eberflus learned from that just in terms of what we got from him or what we got through our own reporting and, and just talking to people just in terms of what his messaging was to his team. Later, you know what I'm what I'm talking about. Like yeah. when he had the team meeting yesterday, he had to bring everything up and address it. Why another assistant coach is no longer part of his staff? Um, but that was like a learning thing. It seemed to me like remember, like, like he came out in his statement that he was reading yesterday, and right away we addressed this as a team today. Yes, as opposed to the last time when there was all this confusion and they had the like. It wasn't addressed together as a team. It was individually in meetings. Some guys like heard that lingered. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying it sounds like one, the messaging was better. And two, I think it was actually handled better, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that starts with him. Yes, absolutely. Like enough is enough. I, I'm like, I'm taking control. Forget about, you know, this, that or the other. Everybody's got opinions. You know, he's being advised on this and whatnot. But like, hey, this is my coaching staff. I'm ultimately responsible for it. And I got to hold these men accountable for their actions. So um, that's that just in terms of like my initial thought, like you asked your, you know, your question there. um, It was how Matt Eberflus is going to handle this internally and then publicly. Now there's one fair thing. I, I thought Ryan Poles brought up. I was on the score yesterday and we, I tried to get in this conversation a little bit and I don't think it was received that well, but whatever. I personally think that there's somewhat of a culture issue. I don't want to. I don't want to put a blanket all over all coaches. That's not fair at all. There's a lot of really good people out there, but it does seem like every year there is a team that is dealing with something like this, whether it's DUIs, you know, behavioral stuff, like whatever. Now, part of that also is we're all human beings, and if you think about it, in any job, anywhere stuff like this pops up. There's no question. But I, I something Ryan Pohl said yesterday in his press conference resonated with me in that there's probably other teams that just sort of ignore this type of behavior or sweep it under the rug and then you never hear about it and then you don't think that there's a problem. Whereas if the Bears have two instances and they actually act on them, now it looks like they have a culture problem within their coaching staff. Does that make sense? I know what you're saying. Let's in terms of like, um, not just the coaching staff, but I mean, that's training staff. That's, you know, the medical staffs that come in, equipment staffs. Like they're getting published or punished, excuse me, for acting. Correct. Correct. I I know what you're saying. Um, you're, You're talking about how in action maybe like um it's the easy like, way like, like, like a slow like poison said. but that could that could become like a slow poison in your locker room yes 
And we know it's just not the locker room. There's a lot of, there's assistant coaches, there's quality control coaches. There are, again, training staffs, medical staffs, there's equipment staffs, there's video staffs. There's so many different staffs that come in and out of that locker room where if you let something fester instead of eliminating it, I get your point just in terms of culture accountability. Is that what you're highlighting in this? Like, Well, I just think it's a fair point for Ryan Poles to bring up that by acting on, there's no way to fire a coach without it being known. And maybe this was part of the mistake they made with Alan Williams, where it was like sort of like he's on leave. Where is he? What's going on here? And then, okay, he, all these rumors fester on the internet and he's forced to resign. And like this time, and again, like you said, two different situations. But this time they act swiftly. No one heard anything until you guys reported he was out. You know what I mean? And then the coach comes up. We talked about it. Bam, let's move on. Now, I don't want to give the Bears or Matt Eberflus an out here. I think that's a fair point for Ryan Poles to bring up. At the end of the day, you still had two coaches on your staff do things that are worth firing. And that does ultimately fall on the head coach. And brings up questions about hiring practices and all kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to like shrug off hiring practices. Maybe it's just because I've been through so many of it. But I guess we do often overlook like a lot of it's just like this person worked with this person or this person knows yeah. this person or this person is recommended to this person. Like that's how these assistant coaches, that's how their hiring shake out more often than not. And David Walker, I think he's like our eighth running backs coach that we've we've covered. I'm not exaggerating that number. No, it's insane. They come and go like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Changes happen. Um, again, I'm not glossing over the accountability factor of how you have to have better hiring practices, but that I maybe that's the another NFL like conversation to have is that's how things usually work for these hirings. Someone knows someone. Like when we're just talking about like uh like you look at the Chargers staff. Right. Didn't we bring this up last week a little bit? Like there's so many sons of coaches on Brandon Staley's staff. You know, this is just how the NFL is in a sense. Maybe that's the the, the greater conversation in, in this. All right. So now look. Even in a world where maybe the Bears should be getting credit for how they're hand but you know, for how they just eliminated a coach with questionable behavior. This is still yet another thing that's happened this year. I mean, we're talking about eight weeks of football and it's been a hell of an eight weeks of football and not football. Nine more games. Yeah. And they only have two wins on top of that, which is probably the most important thing. Ryan Poles yesterday came out with what I thought was a heck of an endorsement of Matt Eberflus, which I was wondering because every time he talks, he talks very highly of the coach, including last time this happened with Alan Williams. Praise Flus for how everything was being handled behind the scenes. I want to read you the quote from Ryan Poles. And he said, what I see every day where I see him address the team and I see his approach through adversity, it is stable, man. I know in on the outside world, it doesn't look like that. And I know it looks like we're far away. But this dude comes in every day, just keeps chipping away. 
He has high integrity. The people that he brings in here, he's done the work to make sure they're the people they're supposed to be. Again, we hold that standard. If it doesn't follow that and people aren't acting that way, they're not here. But the way he holds everything down here is incredible for how loud it is and how tough it is. I mean, this team, you watch them. They fight. You know, this past weekend wasn't great, but you can't watch that team and be like, oh, they're going to fold. Most teams fold and they're not folding. It's been hard. It's been really hard, especially from where we started last year, trying to build this and do it the right way. What I see from him on a daily basis and how he gets this team ready on a weekly basis, to me, I see a grown man that has leadership skills to get this thing out of the hole and into where it needs to be. That is a strong endorsement. So that's the first thing I want to point out, because I think there's a couple things in there that you can quibble with. But immediately when I posted this yesterday, I got a lot of responses like, well, what's he supposed to say? Or we see this all the time, you know, the dreaded vote of confidence, and then the guy's fired anyway. That is not your typical vote of confidence. That is not your, oh, I have 100% trust in that's not Refluge. That's not Rex is our quarterback. Right. That could have been a short one-sentence answer. I have all the faith in the world in what Maddie Refluce is doing. Next question. That was kind of... Not kind of, like really going out of his way to give a detailed reason for why he still believes in the head coach. And I think that that is something that matters. Now, again, we're only eight weeks into this. There's nine more to go. And based on how these first eight weeks have gone, who knows what's about to come our way and what we're going to be covering on this podcast because we've seen this thing spiral out of control before. But at this point... I person personally am not nearly as convinced as many are out there that Matt Eberflus is out the door no matter what when the season's over. Well, I think we could say that comfortably on November 2nd now. There's still nine games. Wins at the end of the day are, are still everything. You right. still want to see some... Like George McCaskey wants to see wins. Kevin Warren wants to see wins. You can say all you want. Endorse him all you want. You need victories. You need tangible improvement, and that's not just through statistics or good storylines. That is through victories, capital well, look, V. <laughs> all right. Well, can I let me clarify my, what I just said? Then I am not convinced that the general manager is going to want to fire this head coach. No, I no. Oh, and and what I'm getting at is I wonder where we're headed in terms of. Remember when they hired Kevin Warren? It, it seemed like a little thing at the time. And I know Ryan Pohl said he was cool with it. And everybody said they were cool with it. But for them to switch the structure twice in like basically a year from the point they hired Ryan Poles and then they bring in Kevin Warren. They're like, no, now he, you're going to report to Kevin, not to George. It, it, at the end of the day, a push comes to shove. Kevin Warren has the final say. Yeah, and, and I just think that right now, as we look at this, that's important to remember, no matter what happens here in these final nine weeks. <laughs> the most Bears thing would be for the new president to fire everybody after his, his one year in charge and start this all over. You almost like I almost want to just tell George McCaskey right now, if you happen to listen to this podcast, George, I know people in the house all listen to this one. Um 
there's a reason that you hired Ryan Poles. There's a reason where you allowed him to actually like execute the, the full rebuilding. And Ryan Poles mentioned it again in his statement. Like everybody was in on last year. Last year was supposed to be bad. <laughs> you know, George McCaskey, you knew that. You knew that. Matt Eberflus accepted it. They were bad on purpose in order to find better players. And as, as Ryan Pohl said, to do it right. Um, I know what you're saying. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I just know this team too well to know what could happen after it. But I think that's like the reminder. Like if 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 I'm advising the McCaskey family is maybe staying the course a little bit longer. Sure, maybe change the offensive coordinator. Fine. But maybe staying the course a little bit longer with your GM that you fully believed in to execute this rebuilding plan. Maybe that's the best course of action for one more year. Even even if the GM wants to keep the head coach. Yes. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that way. Or they're both out. Because it sure seems like Poles wants to keep Flus, believes in what Flus is doing. And honestly, that might be the more prudent thing to do. Like what I'm, what you're saying is is either or. Because the other bear thing to do would be to like force the GM to hire the or to get rid of the coach. Then they hire a coach, and then they're still not happy with the GM. So a year from now, then they fire the GM, and now you're with the coach. Now the coach is hiring a GM with the and like. But that's the cycle we know with this well, team. That's what I mean. Like it's almost if if Warren actually wiped the whole thing out, like at least now that you have a new guy at the top, which is what they should have had at the first point. You know, they should have done that to begin with before they cleaned out, cleaned everything out the last time. Before they got on the phone with Bill Pullian. like they knew Ted Phillips was retiring. Why would you? Hire those guys, but like it's just always out of order, right? So maybe if it was that way, at least you're finally getting in the right order. And then you give the GM, the new GM, chance to hire his coach, get the quarterback that they want, because that whole quarterback's part of this conversation too. I don't know how this is all going to play out, but I do know that that endorsement yesterday with Ryan Poles was significant. I thought so. I did not think that that was just your typical vote of confidence to the head coach that you brush off. No, in the moment sitting in that press conference room, I didn't I I felt the same way, I should say. That yeah. that that is strong. Unusually strong compared to past votes of confidence that we've heard other coaches, other GMs make about other people they work with. All right, let's get to Montez Sweat. Oh yeah, they traded for somebody. Yes. Big addition to the defense. Um, I think the notable thing from polls before we get into this interview with Ben Standig is Ryan polls did say they are working on a contract extension with Montez sweat. There seems to be some optimism that that will get done. A lot of people up in arms that they would make this trade without an extension. Sometimes it does take a little time. Remember the Jay Cutler trade? Like it took a while before they eventually got that extension done. Um, but as we did last year when they traded for Chase Claypool, we need to get the the knowledge from somebody who's been covering Montez Sweat for a while to get the Washington side of things. It's always important to know why did this team trade this player? What's going on here? Why was this player available? 
Another interesting thing Paul said yesterday, just for some context going into this conversation, is that it they didn't seem to think Montez Sweat would be available. And then that seemed to change in the last few hours leading up to the deadline. Perhaps that's because the Bears sweet in the pot, whatever. But they end up trading what will probably be a high second-round pick for Montez Sweat. To get more... On this trade from Washington's side, we talked to Ben Standig. He covers the commanders for the athletic, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Standig. All right, let's bring in Ben Standig, who covers the commanders and knows a little bit about Montez Sweat. All right, last year, Ben, the Bears made a similar trade for Chase Claypool. We had Mark Caballion from uh, from the athletic who covers the Steelers, and he basically just threw water all over this trade made us feel awful about it all our listeners were like okay this isn't gonna work please tell everyone who listens to this podcast that this is not the same situation with montez sweat i don't believe it's the same situation as uh chase claypool um montez sweat's been a really a productive guy a stay a stable presence for this team uh durable guy he's, he's good in the locker room i think his presence there is going to be uh, his absence will be felt here. Not that he's like a, he's not the leader guy. He's the one of the guys who's there to, you know, largely stay in a good mood. He talks a lot of trash uh, out in the practice field. I'm sure you guys will hear that next year at training camp, assuming he's there um, uh, and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's been good. I, I think for me, I guess the wonder is sort of the price. Like I, 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 like Montez Sweat's been really good, but even on the within this defensive line, Washington obviously had invested a lot. You know, depending on the day you looked at it, he was like the third best guy on the line. So, uh, and that may say more about what Washington had and then arguably squandered. But he's good, but he's not Bosa, Miles Garrett. Good. So that's where the question of the price comes in. But yes, I, I don't think you'll be talking to me in a year going, dude, I, I thought you said this guy was good. Any somebody the the commanders wanted to keep, right? You had that in, in your column. So is there, I guess, kind of just take us through the Washington side of things on this deal, especially with what you reported that the, the commanders wanted to keep sweat. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of weird stuff going on over here. You have new ownership that, that literally bought the team officially the day before training camp started. So that group has not had any chance to, put their imprint on anything here. This was sort of that first moment. And, you know, look, the team is three and five. Uh, you may recall a Bears team coming here and just completely squashing them, which is hilarious. <laughs> well, sad. I don't know what it is. But then and then they subsequently lose to the one-win Giants. Like, it, it's not been great. Even though they're still in the wild card mix to a degree, it, you know, it hasn't been great. But I think if it was just left up to Ron Rivera, I suspect – he might say, hey, we're only, you know, we still have a shot. Let's keep going. And I'm not saying he was coerced into it. I just think he probably saw what the more logical angle was for a person in his position, hopefully trying to keep a job that I don't know if he's going to be able to by the end of the year. So they opened the door. They, they have a ton of free agents. They have 90 million in cap space because they have a bunch of free agents. These two guys are the most prominent. And realistically, there was no way they were going to be able to afford to both of them, right? Meaning Montez Sweat and Chase Young, right? Because they've already given Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen big extensions. So one of them was probably going to have to go. I think they would have, well, let me rephrase it. They wanted to move Chase Young preferably. But when they opened the door to the world to say, hey, we're listening, 
I mean, the Bears came in with an offer that they just, you know, not to sound godfathery, but they just couldn't refuse. And that's why he went out. And then it it seems weird to a lot of people. Then why would you then trade Chase Young? But like I said, I think they're looking at it as it's more of a future thing than not. I don't think I think they were maybe willing to give Chase uh, Montez Sweat the money in the twenty mid twenty million dollar year range, something like that. I don't think they were going to give Chase Young anything close to that. They declined his fifth year option, so I think for them it was what I had. My story was they viewed it as addition by subtraction. Chase Young's a bit of a freelancer. Still, he's twenty four, but he's sort of a young twenty four. We'll say so. That's why I think they moved on from both, and that's I get why it seems weird to the outside world for sure, but they're thinking longer term now for reasons that are both because of the new owner and look, the season just is not going anywhere right now. I'm glad you brought up chase young because like immediately after like the chase young trade is made, like there's a little bit of outrage, I guess in, in bears, Twitter land bears, local radio, like, you know, why part with the second round pick from Montez sweat when you could have gotten chase young, for a third. So like, I think he started to hint at it or talk about it there a little bit. Like what's the difference be- between the two? Is, is it just the major surgery? But there seems to be more to that too as, as, as well. Yeah. I mean, if you want to shoot for the moon for potential, if you want to sell jerseys, Chase Young definitely was a better call. He has sort of the more natural ability. He has that charisma that people like, you know, the, you know, he's, he, he's a really, carefree guy i mean I, the example i keep using over the last few days well <laughs> was when we were asking both players about possibly getting traded montez wet i think was talking the way most of us would like look uh well most of us would as if we we'd be in this position but you know what i mean um like hey yeah it's a hard to ignore it the the conversation i mean it, it's out there but i'm doing the best i can to not i can't control i can only control what i control all that kind of stuff chase young's attitude was I don't care, but whatever that whatever's going to be said is going to be said. And I don't really care at all. Nothing bothers me. I'm just chilling over here and I'm not really making those worlds up. Like he said them in various, he said those words in, in, in various ways. So, um, he, he, so his, the, the downside with Chase Young is one, there's concern with the, with his knee. It wasn't just an ACL, uh, tear back in 2021. It had to be reconstructed, which isn't really, as big of a deal, but he also d- damaged his patella tendon and th- the combination of the two led him to be out for far longer than what we are all used to with regards to an ACL injury these days. He was out for uh, 22 games. Finally, this year, he in training camp, he looked better. He looked more spry. He looked athletic, then missed a bunch of time in training camp because of a stinger slash neck injury. Um, and he's been looked pretty good this year, relatively speaking, as an individual level. But I think one of the issues here. With um, with 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 the line is like to uh, I, I keep using NBA analogies. I'll go back to an old school Chicago Bulls one. Then it's the the those Bulls Jordan teams work having Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen help, but it worked in part because you also had the role players who weren't who knew what their jobs were and they weren't all trying to score twenty points or trying to shoot when Michael Jordan kind of should. It doesn't work in the NBA when you have four or five guys who all want to score twenty points and take the last shot. The problem with Washington was they had four defensive starters who kind of all were 20-point scorers who could take the last shot, you know, and that didn't work. And I think Chase Young was the biggest freelancer of them all. He was the one that, and he may arguably be the least, not the least talented, but he's certainly been the least productive of them all. And so I think that, like, there was just a lot of 
So there's just a lot of concerns I just sort of threw out there. Montez Sweat's just more stable. He, other than one year when he had his jaw broken, uh, he had you know had to deal with that, and then the same year, his uh, brother was tragically uh, killed. He really didn't miss time. Uh, otherwise, he's never had ten sacks, but he's always had seven, eight, nine. He's trending this year to go over ten, set a new career high. He's better against the run. So, and like I said, he's just a more stable presence. So I think that's why. And look, the, the pick is what it is. The Bears weren't the only team that, that didn't offer a second-round pick for Chase Young. Presumably, right, Washington would have taken a higher pick than what they got, the, a compensatory third from the 49ers. So I think the red flags on Chase Young are just more prominent than they are with sweat by far. And we just haven't seen enough of the upside hitting for anybody to go, you know what, I think, I think we can solve this. You threw out some numbers a little bit earlier. And uh, our, our friend Brad Spielberger had a story up on PFF today, too, kind of projecting that Montez con- sweat contract at about 25 APY. Uh, as somebody who's covered and, and seen him, I mean, do you think that that's it sounded like that's what you, you were you were thinking the same thing if he stayed in Washington? Do you think that's money well spent if you're the Chicago Bears? Well, so, you know, obviously, Right, uh, not a not a secret. The Bears' pass rush is kind of non-existent. The fact that what is it, six and a half sacks? He has six and a half sacks, and you, of course, got what five of those against Washington. Um, <laughs> which is all it's true. Those here. numbers are correct. That's fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think from that perspective, you got to get right. I mean, you got to get somebody somewhere at some point. So obviously, the Bears will have some top picks in the draft. Could go that route, but you know, rookies are. You know, whatever, and obviously they're going to have to have right conversations about is Justin Fields the answer, and if not, do, do they take a quarterback there? So, yeah, maybe this is more of a maybe not cost certainty, but you know, cost slash position certainty at a key position. Obviously, you got to have pass rushers. I'll be, I will be curious to see how does Montez Sweat do being the main guy. One thing Washington benefited from having all four of these guys was, well, maybe you can double team one, but you can't double team all of them. Clearly, that will be he will be much more of a focus for offenses. Um, here so that's gonna be interesting he is a freak of an athlete I mean when you see uh, you guys obviously got to look at him yesterday but like when you see him in his jersey and you know all that like he is you know crazy l- uh, arm length he's huge he's tall he runs uh, you can, uh, double check me on the math but it was like a four six forty at the combine and he's you know a defensive end like it was he, he or maybe he's even lower than a four six forty it was, it was he's I think it was four, four. four four okay yeah, yeah. even better um, so he's a pretty outrageous athlete. He just hasn't always converted pressure to sacks. Uh, th- that, that was a big discussion coming into the year for him, and he's done better at that. But I think some of the underlying numbers don't really show, a, again, like I said, a truly dominant player. Now, maybe, again, that's part because he's having to share stats with Jonathan Allen, Jerron Payne, and Chase Young. Um, I think it is. I think to me, this is more sort of a marketplace situation. This is what the going rate for a defensive end, whether he's completely worth it or not. I don't know. But also, I mean, right? You, I'm sure you guys have talked about this. That his agent, what didn't somebody ask him about? Does his agent have the bears over a barrel? And he was like, I don't know what that means. Something like that. <laughs> sure, yeah, that did that, happen. That was that was our friend Mark Potash. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, but I mean, they do, right? They can't, what are they going to do? Let him go? I think the franchise. His tag is 21 million or projected from uh, over the cap. So I guess that's the fallback. But if you're going to go long term deal done, I'm going to imagine 25 million number probably seems right. Again, maybe that's a bit of an overpay if you're expecting a Bosa or a Garrett, but he's a good player. He's solid. He's steady. He's somebody you can certainly build with. How do you think you'll handle being the guy 
maybe off the field. You have this big acquisition. I know he wasn't a team leader or like, like you said, maybe not a captain in, in right. Washington, but like the, the spotlight is now on him more in Chicago. And you know, that, that could be different for players to handle. How do you think he will, you think he'll embrace that? I mean, t- take us through maybe his personality off the field. Yeah. You know, um, when he first got to the league, he was very shy. Uh, you know, he didn't have a lot to say. And, you know, you weren't, if you needed a story with a good quote, you weren't going to him, you know, that kind of deal. Um, but he's definitely gotten more comfortable over time. And, you know, just hanging out in the locker room as, as we do with these guys, he's always cool. I mean, you know, doesn't always want to talk to us, which is common for a lot of these players, but not in a screw you jerky kind of a way. It's just, uh, he, he doesn't, but he doesn't mind chit chatting or, you know, BSing or what have you. Um, so I think from that perspective, he'll be fine. But yeah, I, I am curious to see. Uh, I got, I don't have the whole picture of the Bears situation. Like when you walk in the locker room, who are the first two or three guys that everybody's going to go to? If he's one of those guys, I, I don't know. I'll be curious to see how he handles it because it's not been the role he's been in here. Uh, Jonathan Allen is sort of the face of the defensive line. Chase Young will talk sort of begrudgingly as well, but typically you kind of have, if he talks, you kind of have to go listen. Um, so yeah, I, I think Montez has matured a lot. You know, as I said, he's gone through a lot over the last couple of years. He also became a father over the last year or so. And I think that's helped give him some different perspective on life. And like I said, in general, pretty good. He seems like a pretty good guy when we've ever had to deal with him and I've enjoyed talking to him and frankly, we'll, we'll miss his presence in the locker room. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting. Like you said, it's a different deal when the spotlight is on you versus just, you're one of the guys, and that, that will be an interesting dynamic. Uh, ben, last thing for you. Uh, if you, As you guys look at it right now, I mean, is uh, is Washington going to be one of these teams, perhaps like the Bears looking for a new head coach here in a few months? Uh, boy, I don't know what the odds are on, on, on saying Ron Rivera gets, loses his job, but unless, if, unless they're like underwater, you know, unless it's like minus 2,000 or something, to take that, I, I think that's a pretty seems like a pretty safe bet. I mean, I do think, um, you know, Ron Rivera has some skills that a, a, a new ownership group might like, but they're more in the lane of like motivation and culture. The record speaks for itself. I think if this continues with this, you know, they, with, they finish with under five hundred, that will be ten of thirteen years, I believe. His teams have been under five hundred. Now, obviously, there were the highs of going to the Super Bowl at fifteen and one, but. You know, it would have been four straight years here of being under 500. Um, and the the offseason, uh, when I say that their offseason moves were a disaster h- halfway through the season, I mean, that doesn't even come close to saying is a disaster. I mean, they haven't had one player, draft or free agent, that you could say has been a positive contribution at this point. I mean, literally. So um, I, I, uh, I, I don't see how he survives. You know, think crazier things have happened. He is a very popular figure around the league. I just think these new owners and the main owner, Josh Harris, is coming from sports. He, he is the owner of the 76ers, the New Jersey Devils. Like he's not a novice who's going to get swayed by some, you know, from a chat or two with, with the guy in charge. So I don't think Ron Rivera is here next year, but, you know, that, that would be my guess at this point. Well, I'll give you this. Um, you know, if there's one thing the Bears do well, it's get other coaches fired. They've already had so Matt Eberflus has five wins since he got here. Two of the coaches he beat already fired. Ron Rivera would be the third out of the five wins. 
Well, that's uh, that's quite that's quite the mark for him. What, can I just ask you guys a quick question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously, the attraction for Washington with this is right now the the, the bear second round pick is projected at like thirty five or whatever. Right, it's still going to be in the top five at the end of the year. Like, there's, is there? There's no sense, or maybe there is that Justin Fields comes back, you know, at sweat, and all of a sudden maybe they get a little bit of a run. Maybe. I mean, I I, I think they'll. I think they'll probably steal a few wins here because, to be honest, the schedule's not that hard. They got the Panthers coming up. They got the Cardinals coming up on Christmas Eve. I just can't imagine that's a Cardinals team that's going to be motivated to be in freezing cold Chicago on Christmas. Um, You know, they have games like that. And then, like you've seen it, they just randomly go into Washington and pound the, the commanders. Last year, they did the same thing in New England on Monday Night Football. They just somehow come up with these wins here and there. So, you know maybe three to four wins the rest of this season. Uh, so uh, it still feels like it'll probably be a top 10 pick though, within that second round. Yeah. When, when you look at the bears schedule the rest of the way, there's not really any top five, top six, top 10 quarterbacks, especially with Kirk cousins being out. So we're not saying they're, they're going to go 500 the rest of the way or five and four, what have you. But um, yeah, it, you're still probably looking at like, 39th or 40th <laughs> at, at worst. Yeah. Right. No, if Washington could lock in top three pick right now, they'd do it. If it falls a bit, then, it, you know, then it becomes a little more interesting on this end about the value. But yes, I understand why they decided to take to roll that dice. Uh, ben, really appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. All Thanks, right. Ben. There he is. Ben Standig. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Standig and read him in The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. 
head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, good stuff from Ben Standing there. Hopefully, Bears fans feel a little bit better about this one. He has a great column. It ran Wednesday. Um, Just check it out. Uh, Tons of, and we we talked about it a little bit with him, but just uh, tons of insight, tons of background on Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and why the commanders were making these moves, which I I think is important to know if you're going to, I don't know, critique the way you look at this trade three big questions number one adam oag on a scale of one to ten ten being the most confident how confident are you that jalen johnson and montez sweat will both be on the roster in 2024 Ooh, it's a good one i think i'm gonna give it a solid seven i think montez sweat will be And I think, actually, you know what? I'm going to bump this up. I'm going to say, I'm going to say eight. I was going to say nine. Yeah. Well, because I think Sweat's extension gets done and then that frees up the franchise tag. Even if things don't get worked out with Jalen Johnson, you put the tag. And then, so the only reason I'm not going all the way to 10, because you'd say, oh, well, if one's signed and one's tagged, why wouldn't they both be on the team? Well, because you still have the possibility of a holdout in his trade. Hold in, hold in. Yeah, next next August if things get really, really ugly. And I hope they... I'm still confident this can be salvaged. That's the only reason why I'm not going higher than an eight. But I still do think more likely than not both players are on the Bears defense next year. Okay. So I, can I ask a quick follow-up? Yeah. So we talked numbers on Montez Sweat with Ben. Jalen Johnson, I mentioned the piece that Brad Spielberger wrote. He projects the Jalen Johnson contract up towards 19 million average per year. So now all of a sudden you're talking about 44 million per year on an edge rusher and a corner. Now they are premium positions. So that's theoretically smart allocation of funds and cap space. But one could also make the argument Neither one is top of the class at their position. Like even Ben admitted that. And by the way, the top of the class at the edge rusher markets in the thirties. So you're not, I mean, 25 is probably where he is. Montez sweat. But if Jalen ends up at 19, yes, his number suggests he's towards the top of the class this year, but that hasn't been the case for all four years. There's no guarantee that it's going to be that way going forward. Does this, I guess what I'm getting at, does that make you nervous at all spending that much money on guys that are not necessarily slam dunks at the top of their position? No, 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 because they're premium positions. And two, can we just stop letting good players 
Well, that's where I am. Leave, yeah. you know, like, and they're not all going to be great. Maybe some of the years are great, but if they're good, solid players, like you win with, well, would you consider them blue chip or, or semi blue chip players? I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't think either one is a blue chip player. I think both are long-term starters though. The type of starters you lock up, but I don't think they're blue chip. I don't think they're getting paid like blue chip either. No. No, but it's still a lot of money for guys that are not slam dunks that they're going to perform at that level over the next four years. If that's the like, you know, that's the term that you sign them to. Yeah, but I still think you have to like how many true blue chips are there? And I think that changes the conversation changes every year. Right. Just keep retain some good players build All upon right. something instead of creating more holes. All right. Fair enough. Number two, buying or selling. This quote from Matt Eberflus. The culture uh, in our building is outstanding. Um, the guys work hard every single day. Uh, the relationship piece is there. Uh, we care about each other, and uh, we're working diligently, you know, to get this thing turned. You know, we're two and two in the last two games. You know, one game was real close. Had a chance at that one, and we really feel we're turning the corner um, there, and we feel excited about this week. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, our culture is awesome. The reason why this quote kind of bothers me and why I'm not buying is because I'm not convinced that everybody in that locker room feels the same way. Because you can say you were close in the Vikings game. That was not a good performance. Nobody came out of that game going, oh, they're close. And the trips to Kansas City and L.A. were not good. Like, you don't get to say we're 2-2 two and two with wins over Sam Howell and Brian Hoyer and an absolute stinker against the Chargers mixed in. Am I wrong on that? Like, I, I just, it's, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, and as Ryan Poles admitted in his quote, you know, he understands that it doesn't look like they're close in, on the outside. That's where we are. But at what point do you start to question, are they not living in reality on the inside to how far away they are? I'm buying it because I think, well, to your point right there, I do think they believe it. I do think there's been a number of injuries, including at the quarterback position, that have changed certain conversations. And... and Adam, we haven't even hit on it enough. I mean, that quarterback conversation is its lingering and it's going to linger the rest of the year with Justin Fields and what's what's next with him. Speaking of premium positions, fifth-year options, money spent, that's still out there. Um, that's still part of the, the conversation with this team. But just in terms of this quote, wasn't surprised to hear such a strong defense of what he's trying to build. I'm buying his belief. But I would sell like I, there's probably some older players that are just frustrated. They're part of a two win team and they could be looking elsewhere already. Now, I think as coaches will tell you, the, the tape is their resume. Some of these players are still professionals. So it's going to be interesting to see how these final nine weeks play out, these final nine games. I, I do think like bringing in a Montez Sweat. We'll bring some some needed energy to that locker room. 
you know, like in terms of enhancing culture, creating competition, like enhancing that. I'm not going to say um, hits vibe, you know, but, but in, in enhancing that intensity in a sense, I think sweats acquisition has the potential to, to do that for a little bit here, especially in the early going. I guess I just question sometimes if their standard is high enough. Like, I, I don't think they have a culture problem. I think I, 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 if you're asking me to buy what Flus is saying about relationships and them getting along and everything, like I think that's there. I'm, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy that part. I just, I question sometimes. Like to me, the hits principle again. I've said this many times. Is just like the basic line of like, do you hustle? Do you play with intensity? Do you take care of the football? Okay. Like, I hope so. It's the NFL. Now, not all teams do, and that's fair. But even in Poles' quote, when he's, talk, when he's endorsing flutes, he's a grown man capable of doing this. Like, I just paraphrased, but the grown man part is something he said. Like, I hope so. Flutes, like, 52 years old? <laughs> well, now you're making fun of this, but, like, I kind of got his I'm point not, there though, because, like, because there's grown men that don't don't act like grown men. Well, there's Josh McDaniels who just got fired. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we've we, we've seen this. If like, like I think this is where I'm at with the Bears, and, I, and this is going to be in a column. I don't know. You might see it Friday. You might see it Sunday. Like, I think all coaches feel overwhelmed or can be criticized for being overwhelmed or this job being too much for them or everything just you know being over their heads a bit when the quarterback position isn't solidified. You know what I'm talking about? Like when there's looming questions at the most important position in football and the hardest to get right. I think all coaches look overwhelmed. Happened yeah. with Nagy, happened with Tressman. Happens around the league every single year. Like that's, again, that's the lingering thing we have now for the next nine weeks. Like what's next at the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears? Yeah. Well, and obviously having a quarterback would change a lot. I guess I'm still getting that like just raising the bar. Yeah. Not having a performance in LA where you missed that. Like you could tell me the tape's fine. You could tell me that, but all of a sudden have all those missed tackles. Like what the hell? Why? Like why pre-snap penalties that we continue to see on the tape? You know what? Like, why is there a, an end around to Trent Taylor on the second play of the game? Because <laughs> nobody saw it coming, even Trent Taylor. Well, Khalil Mack did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what type of impact do you think another coaching change will have on the team on game day? So you're talking about the David Walker. I think. This is different than Allen Williams, just in terms of the sheer responsibilities. And I think Deontay Foreman is going to run like Deontay Foreman with or without David Walker. Sure. So typically, the running backs coach, and I don't necessarily know that's the case right now, but typically, the running backs coach has say over which running backs in the game. So, or at least has the power to make that change here and there when the offensive coordinator doesn't overrule and say, no, I need this guy in for this play. Yeah. So, you know, 
Omar Young, right, mm-hmm. is moving over from working with the receivers to now he's the running backs coach. I I mean, I think there's some impact. I think there's got to be an easing into that role. And oh, by the way, you turn around after Sunday's road trip and you play on Thursday. So it's not like you get a break here to kind of just take a few days and learn what the hell you have to do. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. I, I don't necessarily foresee like a drop off though in production production in the running game. I'd like to see improvement in pass protection for some of those guys. Specifically Deontay Foreman. Well, Roshan Johnson will get more snaps then. Travis yeah. Homer's active. Okay. All right. I guess we should make the pick. It's an eight and a half line again, Adam Oak. It is CBS noon. Bears at Saints. The Saints. Eight and a half point favorites. This is like for a few weeks ago, I had this one like circled as like a as a measuring stick game for Justin Fields because the Saints defense mm-hmm. is good. They're good. Very good. Very good. Um, might be the best one on the, the schedule. Um, and now it's Tyson Bajant's challenge. And we have an inexperienced undrafted rookie. It's just what it is. What it is. Um, I, my, my bold prediction is that Tyson Bajant still produces two touchdowns in this game. Okay. Um, I feel semi-bold. Bold predictions. And I still think you have the Saints win. Even I'm going to say by nine. So let's say, let's get my math right here. 23-14. Saints. Okay. That feels about right. Um. I think I'm going to go with 13 points for the Bears. And I think I'll say it's not like the Saints offense is that great. Although I do foresee a couple big plays here and there. Rashid Shahid has, he's been, he's like good for like two giant, enormous explosive plays every week, perhaps a touchdown. Um, So I don't know, 21, 13. I guess that has the Bears barely covering. So we're 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 both straddling that eight and a half point spread there. I would stay away from it from that standpoint. You know, I'm not nearly uh I mean last week I was way too confident about the Bears covering that spread. I'm not this time. So two and seven on the way, huh? Mm-hmm. It's, it does not feel like a game of can I have like? Can we like stop comparing Justin Fields and Tyson Bajant too? Like every little thing they do, I just find it all like nauseating at this yeah. point. Their, their their stories are just way too different. They're ex- right. <laughs> experience- like literally every part of their. Yes, story. can like can we just like Justin Fields had cameras following him in high school. Tyson Bajant barely had an offer. It went to Shepard. I don't think they had cameras at Shepard to film those games other than the... the was the it first, on TV? I don't the, know. The first game Tyson Bajan ever had to use a silent count was Sunday. 
Like, think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The crowds he's played in front of. Yeah. I, even like one's an undrafted rookie from Division Two. The other one played. The other one went to Georgia. They went to Ohio State and played in like some of the biggest college games ever and was traded up for in the draft. Like, you know, just like they're just different conversations. Everybody. Could not be more different. Yeah. All right. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. All right. Let's get to some of these games this week. An early game. Don't forget. Set your alarms. Get your fantasy lineups in Sunday morning, 830 Central Time. The NFL goes to Germany. I already saw some of Stacey Dale's Instagram posts from Frankfurt, where a lot of people thought the Bears were going to be playing in this game. It's the Dolphins at the Chiefs. Chiefs are two-point favorites. Seems kind of low. Really? They just lost to the Broncos. Yeah, Mahomes was sick. Didn't get his flu game. That that offense, though, hasn't been like the offense as we know it to be. Yeah. I feel like that's true. Taylor Swift mania is kind of covering that up a little bit. Well, does Um, Taylor make this trip? Because that's the problem. She didn't go to Denver. And they don't win when she's not there. Well, then she better go to Frankfurt, Germany. I mean, why not? It's Germany. Chiefs have a good defense. Um, Dolphins have a good offense. Although Dolphins, who did they lose to? They had a good defense. The Eagles. Yeah, they. Yeah, they couldn't beat the Eagles. Eagles might be the best team in the league. Um, I give me the Chiefs by a field goal. Okay, so you got them covering. Yeah. Yeah, they lost to the Eagles, thirty-one seventeen. Came back, beat the Patriots, thirty-one seventeen. Uh, the Dolphins' two losses are to the Bills and the Eagles. Teams I put more into the category of the Kansas City Chiefs. So coming off a loss, even though this, I always feel nervous about games in Europe, you never quite know how they're going to go. Um, but we've seen this story many, many times. I'm going to go ahead and do this with the Kansas City Chiefs. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I think that spread should be at least three and a half. Not two. Um, all right, next game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Yeah, you could say that about this game. Fox Noon, Vikings at Falcons. Is this Nick Mullins versus Taylor Heineke? I mean, uh, pick a quarterback for the Vikings. They traded for Josh Dobbs, Jaron Halls, the rookie out of BYU, Nick Mullins. So Desmond Ritter's out? Desmond Ritter's out. Anyway, the Falcons are four and a half point favorites. Um, oh, Nick Mullins is an IR. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think. I think that's why Hall played. I think this is Jaron Hall playing. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, unless is Josh Dobbs going to just come in and play quarterback right away? That's not an easy thing to do. No. Um, okay. I mean, mean, it's one thing for Montez Sweat to put a jersey on and go get the quarterback. But when you're the quarterback and you have the void, you know, the Montez Sweats of the world and everybody on that Falcons defense, like you got to know the offense. You got to know the playbook. Fifth round pick from BYU. Okay. I liked him a little bit. But let me tell you. I can't say I had him on my radar for anything. (laughs) I. Well, then you weren't listening to me on this podcast because I definitely at least once. That's a lie. That's a lie. No, check the tape. 
I definitely said the Bears should take a flyer on Jaron Hall. Probably was wrong about that, but um, I don't know. I, I I don't want to watch this game. I don't want to have anything to do with this game. I'm glad I don't have to. It's at noon. It's the same time as the Bears game. Give me the Falcons to cover. The, the, the Vikings couldn't do anything once Kirk Cousins got hurt on yeah. Sunday. They yeah. were lucky they had a lead in that game when they did. Um, be, but so I'm just, I'm going to take the Falcons. I don't necessarily, Heineke's more than capable if he's in there uh, to win this type of game. Falcons are at home. I give me the Falcons. I agree. Falcons by a touchdown. All right. That question don't make no sense. Fox, noon. Rams at Packers. You, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Still applies. How about the Packers being a three-point favorite in this game? Yeah, Rams stink, huh? But do they? Well, yeah. They're Is Stafford out. Stafford was hurt last week. Yeah. We should do more research before we pick. No, no, no. Well, every Staff- quarterback in the league is hurt right now. Matthew Stafford has a thumb injury. So he's not playing this week. Status iffy. He didn't practice yesterday. Okay, so this is up in the but, air. But is does does it matter? Is Jordan Love make a difference? No. Who you got? Um, if Stafford plays the Rams, um, does Brett Rippin do anything for you? No, no, no. Will he do anything for them? Um, give me the Rams. Whatever. Give me the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams to cover. Either way, if Stafford doesn't play, I think the Packers eke out a win. But three points is too much for me. I will I will take the Rams to cover. the Packers. Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers. Go Bears. Thanks, Bob. CBS. 305. Colts at Panthers. Panthers two and a half point home dogs. Um, who's starting for the Colts? Uh, a quarterback? Stop! Why is every quarterback out? <laughs> what the hell is going on? Yeah. Jesus. Um, Andrew well, Luck, I think. No, it's not Minshew. I think it is Minshew. Yeah, Minshew's fine still, right? Yeah. Don't confuse me. Um, but Bryce Young kind of looks better. I think they won. Did you see yeah. the hug that Josh McCown gave him? I I just think again, again my quarterback point earlier. I mean, when the quarterback position is wrong, everything looks wrong. Yeah, and injuries are a problem here. Um, give me the Panthers with the points. Okay, I'm gonna take the Colts. Okay, I, I, yeah, I, I it wouldn't surprise me though if the Panthers start winning some games here. All right, last one. This is the uh, late afternoon game on Fox. There's going to be uh, some offense. There's going to be uh, defense. There's going to be special teams. That's right. Fox 325. Cowboys at Eagles. The Eagles three-point favorites. This is a good game. I know these quarterbacks. Yes. Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts. Uh, are you buying the Cowboys? I'm not. Buying the fact that they're interesting to hang out with on a Sunday afternoon against the Eagles. I'm going to take the Eagles and that's going to be my lock. I think the Eagles win by like 10 points. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. 
I agree with you. I don't know if it's going to be 10, but I will take the Eagles to cover as well, especially at home. So there you go. I do think that's a good football game, though. Yeah. All right. There's your picks for the week. Both got the Bears losing. A lot of news we got through in this podcast. It was a long one. Hope everybody enjoyed it very much. Thanks to Ben Standick for joining us. Um, What did we forget? I feel like we forgot something. You did a bold prediction for the Bears. You said two touchdowns for... Tyson Bajan. Mm-hmm. I never gave a bold prediction. Um, my bold prediction is that Jalen Johnson gets another interception. Ooh, I think a motivated Jalen Johnson could be dangerous on Sunday. And Derek Carr, he'll throw it to you. Is he going to put the Bears over a barrel too? <laughs> what, a, <laughs> what a great question. Maybe slightly, uh, maybe slightly inappropriate for a press conference, but uh, I may have stepped out and laughed really hard at the, uh, <laughs> during the press conference. It, was... it, it, it's football, man. You got to have fun doing this job. If you're not, you don't belong in this business. You have to. You, and it can get serious. These are these guys' lives. Um, but you got to have fun. All right. We're out of here. Hopefully, you're able to have fun watching this game on Sunday. Um, We'll be there afterwards for you, regardless of what happens. Bears, Saints, Sunday at noon. We'll talk to you after the game. See you. The culture uh, in our building is outstanding.